welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Oh, Leland, we are officially no more football, but I'm <laughs> telling you, it's been a week because we've had some great college basketball. We've had a lot of stuff going on, but I guess I know you were big on this weekend watching the wrestling. What happened there? I Riverhead's got some individual state champions uh, at the lower weight classes. I know they were looking for more individual state championships and also, you know, adding up to what they could do as a team. Uh, but Grundy with their 25th state championship in wrestling, um, <laughs> they, they win it. They've won five or six in a row. They, I mean, this is all since like 1978 too. They win the state championship like 54% of the time. So it's just amazing. And recently, since 2000, it's it's much more than 54% of the time. Yeah. So just absolutely incredible programs. you got to give them their due. Uh, but Riverheads, you know, was every year. They're looking to check a crack at that, try to get second. If they can't get the first, they, they dropped down to third this year, just the way everything fell. Um, they weren't that far away from the second spot. They battled. Um, but just didn't get some of those finishes they want. But looking through it, you know, Jake uh, Yole, he's a sophomore. He's a state champion. Um, he finished second last year at 113. And then Jude Robeson, he, as a senior, wins his state championship third time in a row. That's the first um, athlete from Riverheads to win uh, wrestling three years in a row. And so uh, really something to be said there. When you're, when you're doing something that's never been done at Riverheads Wrestling, that's impressive. Um, and then it's some second-place finishes between Cody Cash and Caden Cook-Cash. Um, but I was looking at the roster – and it's just so many underclassmen. I, yeah, they lose Jude, Jude Ropes, and that's, uh, I'm not going to say that's all, but that's the highest finishing guy uh, with the state championship that's not going to be back. Everybody else that was, you know, three or above or even sixth or above, they're all coming back. So as much as uh, there might be a little disappointment this year, they're going to reload, and uh, it's just going to be with the same people, and, and they're going to go back at it again and try to tear down Grundy. It doesn't happen often that Grundy doesn't win a state championship, but Riverheads is in a position next year to to have that as a as a goal and uh, not be crazy about that because they have so much talent coming back on the mats. Um, so congratulations to Riverheads. Third place finish is great. Um, congratulations to Buffalo Gap. Fourth place uh, finish. Um, or no, sixth place finish mm-hmm. as a team in the States. And that's a good job. They were kind of a quiet program this year. And uh, Mark Yoder got them a uh, second in state finish. Uh, something I really like seeing, I didn't see it till today. They had a picture of um, the fans during Yoder from Buffalo Gap's match. And he had a big upset in that semifinal to get him into the final. He beat somebody from Grundy. Well, they show the crowd, and it's all the Gap fans, and then all the Riverheads fans also cheering for him. I really like that. I like how wrestling's built like that. I know in track, a lot of these sports where – yeah, it's a team thing, but you have these individuals in their own events. Um, it does seem like once you get out of the the local matches, the, these fan bases come together. I really appreciate that. You know, being a, a person from Riverheads and the respect that I have for Buffalo Gap, and we always make fun of it uh, when in football season when I kind of cheer for them second most. Um, I like seeing that. I like seeing that. That's the time to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. I know we'll probably get into a conversation later when we talk about rivalries. Not bad. Buffalo Gap and Riverheads have plenty of rivalry. When they wrestle each other, their rivalry is there. But, you know, when, when these local kids can compete at a high level down the line where it, it's not affecting each other then and everybody's cheering for each other, I like that. 
And also there's a little bit of Riverheads acknowledging, hey, a Grundy person lost, we, we can use that. So um, I, I like that. I really like the sportsmanship there and, and uh, everybody coming together for that one. Yeah, uh, it is nice when they when they're rooting for each other in wrestling, especially when it is more individual than team based. Uh, yeah. Once you get to that kind of level. And at that point, you know, I think that was where uh, Luke Bryant was wrestling for Riverheads. He was already not contending. And so that, you know, it really didn't make a difference. You know, sure. and I, I even if it did make a difference, I know there's plenty of you know support for each other's programs, at that, especially at that state level. So. That was good. Uh, other local team, Wilson, uh, they finished ninth in class three. Fort Defiance finished in 10th. Uh, Wilson did have Cooper Brandt finish second at 106. So uh, other good uh, finishes in the area. Um, just a lot to be proud of. We have strong wrestling in the area. But that's because these, these teams, these programs, challenge each other throughout the season. But they also look to, to play teams, um, wrestle in matches against teams that are hard. Riverheads has matches, non-district matches against Royal Retreat and uh, go down to Christiansburg and they have some tough opponents. I know Wilson this year, they battled against um, Strasburg and did well. And then Strasburg goes and they win class two. Yeah. And that's uh, that's a storied wrestling program there. I remember when I was in high school, Strasburg was always very good wrestling. It was always a lot of Riverheads, Strasburg battles. And uh, Strasburg hadn't won a state title since 2000, I, I believe or somewhere in the early 2000s, what I believe I read. So uh, congratulations to them come back. But also Central had an individual state um, winner, and they had never had that in their program history. And I just keep coming across these things at Central where they've never done this before, and they did it this year. Football, the deepest they've ever gone. Um, oh, there was another stat I had in my head, and I've lost it, but now this wrestler going there. I, it was like three things this year where their athletics – is kind of surging. And uh, I like to see that. I like to see programs um, building a success across the board and doing things they've never done before. So I uh, just wanted to call out all that wrestling stuff. We don't, we don't have Tom Jacobs on like we used to talk wrestling. So I feel like I got to dive in and uh, I, I did it for the both of us, but it was fun. I was watching on NFHS. They had the different mat cams and then uh, down the stretch when it was the championship matches, really easy to see what I wanted to see win. So uh, it was a lot of fun to catch up on that mostly in the evening on Saturday, um, but it, it was good, and I was cheering for Riverheads, and uh, it, it, it didn't all work out the way we wanted, but uh, plenty of, you know, those two state championships were fun to watch, and, and even the ones where we got second, they were fun to watch too. All right, well, I'll take us over to the hardwood. Let's start on the girls' side, uh, Class 3. Right now we had Wilson. They knocked out Stanton on Friday in the region first round of the region tournament to get to the quarterfinals. They now play LCA on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to try to get this out Monday night, uh, the same night we're recording. So if if that mission is accomplished, it'll either be later tonight when you're listening on Tuesday or tomorrow night on Monday, hopefully. Uh, but they'll be playing at LCA, most likely into the road there, but we'll be rooting for them. And then Fort Defiance, they are the one seed in Region 3C, and they get to host uh, Liberty of Bedford. So that's going to be a big matchup for them. Hopefully Fort Defiance, the way the region's set up, this is a very tough region, but the way coach Gill has had those ladies playing here in the regular season, you would think they have a very good chance to get into that state or excuse me, the region championship, which would put them into the state. Yeah. I love that. You know, things are kind of back to normal this year. And so both the, the state 
the region champion and the region runner-up get to advance to state. Um, so I, I like that that's back. Um, I am a person that sometimes says, you know, postseason should knock people out. Um, but I think we've got where, where the teams are split now, it kind of works out better now. I don't mind those top two teams advancing because I think, I mean, you see a lot of state championships uh, come out of teams that finished region runner-ups. And uh, I think it works for the game of basketball pretty well. And, you know, Fort Defiance benefited by getting that one seed. Uh, Stuart Straff beating Waynesboro last Thursday is kind of what mm-hmm. propelled them up into that spot. And that was big because I, I was worried about a Wilson Fort Defiance um, early matchup in the playoffs. I'm glad they avoid each other um, just to keep two local teams as long as possible. Now, LCA is going to be tough for Wilson to handle, but Wilson battle-tested team. They played um, tough teams like uh, I know Spotswood mm-hmm. um, is a team they played this year. Uh, so, And they're the three seed in that region. So they, they know what it takes to beat good teams. Doing it is, is going to be something they have to approve, but they, they know the level of competition it takes. And Wilson, I mean, there with Jackie Bryan, she, she knows how to coach them up and get them going right. But Fort Defiance, that's that team that out of all the basketball teams, boys and girls, I want to watch. I think that Fort Defiance team, I, I've said this from day one because of what Coach Gale did at Stewart's Draft primarily, is that it seemed like Stewart's Draft would, would advance further in the playoffs just because people are not used to Fort. playing that style. And so I think Fort Defiance, with him as coach now, will be able to benefit that way. And and there's been a lot written this year on how it's it's really working in the girls' game very well. And so I, I want to see it work really well. I'm really rooting for Fort Defiance to kind of make the most of this this offense, this postseason run. I mean, they have an undefeated district record, only three losses on the season. So um, they've proven it. They've proven they're good. Now now it's time to pay it off and, and, and show it in the postseason. But they're they're a great team, and hopefully they can get on to states and then uh, shake things up there. Yeah, they'll face the winner if they win in their first uh, their quarterfinal matchup against Liberty Bedford, they would play the winner of Charlottesville in Fluvanna on Thursday in the region yeah, semifinal. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday tournament there. Mm-hmm. Looking at class two, Stewart's draft, you mentioned them and their big win against Waynesboro to close out the year. That got them to the number eight spot in the region, and they will play Loray, the number one seed. That's bad Uh-oh. news. Loray <laughs> is really good. Yeah, Loray is a team that has been to state championships. I believe they've even won state they've won. championships. They've won, yeah. So I think they're defending. Yeah, and, and to tell you how good this region has become this year, Strasburg, who is another team that has been a perennial team chasing with Loray to get into the state tournaments and go do well there, uh, representing 2B very well, they're a four seed this year. So if Stewart's draft does the unthinkable and upsets Loray, then you're probably playing Strasburg, which is the other team. I know they're a four seed, but man, that is a very, very tough region this year. Uh, but obviously, like I said, with Wilson, we'll be hoping Stewart's draft can pull off that upset, but it is going to be a really tall task with Loray. Definitely. Down in class one, uh, Riverheads and Buffalo Gap will now face off in a semifinal winner of that game will have a ticket punch to States. That game will be on Wednesday. That's because Buffalo gap dominated Monday night against Surrey uh, at home. Surrey had to come all the way up here to Buffalo gap, not drive all those interstates and then have to drive out to the gap. It, it had to be uh, a little intimidating for those, for that, the lawn of a run to wind up in that gym. And then just gap came out firing immediately in that game. And, and they got up early and stayed up. So it, that was good for the bison to kind of flex on them, but Hey, a big game against riverheads. They faced each other. Uh, I think at the finale mm-hmm. and riverheads won at Buffalo gap. So now that kind of set riverheads in that spot where they wouldn't have to play that first game. They could host this 
uh, matchup if it came to fruition here. It does. So now Buffalo Gap coming to Riverheads Wednesday night. That'll be a fun one. Uh, winner go winner or winner goes to states. Loser goes home. So that's fun for that rivalry right there. And as as much as I like when uh, in wrestling when the Riverheads fans are cheering for Gap fans. No one's cheering for the other side on Wednesday night there and the girls' basketball. They've had some battles. I've been to a lot of those Gap Riverheads games uh, in my time here. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I'm probably on the NFHS feed for that one Wednesday night, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, let's move it over to the boys' side now. On that boys' side, Stanton lost a heartbreaker to TA 55-51. Their season ends, and they are out. They were the nine seed. They got there because they beat Fort Defiance. So with that win in the regular season to close it out against Fort Defiance, that got them into the region tournament in that play-in round or the first round, whatever you want to call it. They lost as the nine seed at the eight seed, Turner Ashby, 55-51. So their season ends. Had they won, they would be playing the number one seed, Spotswood. So that's who TA has. I don't see TA going any further than that. Wilson Memorial is the two seed. That's the other team for our local fans. They're hosting Fluvanna on Tuesday night. That should be a game they can win. That's not, this isn't necessarily the round I worry about Wilson Memorial. It would be starting on Thursday. If you get LCA, that's going to be tough. Broadway is a team that even as a six seed, they have played well at times this season. So if you're Wilson Memorial, I think you get past Fluvanna here on Tuesday night and barring any shocks there, that's when the season really starts to get a little more difficult for them. I honestly, I think LCEA is my favorite to come out of this region. I, they had, they're really strong early in the year, especially in the non district mm-hmm. uh, that district beats up on each other a little bit. And that's where their losses popped in from there. But LCA has played some teams and beaten some teams. So I honestly think they are the favorite in this region. So it's going to have Wilson with their hands full on Thursday night, if they're able to make it there. Uh, and another reason I say this is I don't think Spotswood is as Spotswoodsy as they usually are. I, they, they're good. Um, they're always going to be good. The way, the way they built that program, they're always, they're always good. But I just don't think they're state championship caliber. I think LCA might just be. So uh, I have LCA as kind of my favorite. Do you have Spotswood three. getting into the final? I have Spotswood coming going to the uh, – yeah, I have them going to the region final. I just, okay. I, well, I was just saying, you had just mentioned they're not the Spotswood of old. I was wondering if you yeah, even thought I mean, Charlottesville it, or Heritage could beat them. If Heritage knocks them off or something, no, it would not shock me because it, it's just – like I said, Spotswood – but I, I would advance them to the final. I mm-hmm. still think they'll probably make the state playoffs. I just think LCA wins this region. Class two, let's focus with Stuart Straff first. They're going to be at Buckingham. They're the sixth seed going to the three-seed Buckingham on Tuesday – Hopefully the Cougars can find a way to win, but that's going to be tough. And I, I think they just are happy they're not the eight seed. And I honestly was kind of expecting them to fall to that eight mm-hmm. seed spot and have to play East Rock early. And that that is just spelling doom. I just think East Rock's coming out of the region no matter what happens. So here's Buckingham. It's a longer trip <laughs> and and more winnable game. But uh, I still think uh, hey they're in the bottom of the bracket if they if they can surprise a team or two. That's they true. Can get there, but I. I don't see it happening for them this year. I know um, Central Woodstock is a team that is is plenty good. We've seen East Rock beat up on them, but that's the next highest seed down there in that region. So um, if, if they're able to get past Buckingham, their hands will still be full. But East Rock, I mean, Tyler Nichols, 35 points away from breaking the scoring record in Virginia, something we'll have seen twice here in a short period of time with Mac McClellan owning that record right now and us being at the game when he broke that. Uh, he's going to have a chance to pass that and, and really 
go on top of it if they're, if they're able to win multiple games here like we think they will. So uh, I think class two is just the Tyler Nichols story right now. And who's, who can stop them? Who can, um, who can battle them? One thing I'll say, we saw Tyler Nichol, you know, here he is three, two or three games away from breaking this record. And it's going to take three, maybe more possible games to do that. It's good to see these other players stepping up in the postseason like they have. We've seen moments of that throughout the season where they need uh, Kerry Keys um, to step up and, and um, Coach Keys' son step up and score some points and, and some of the other guys. We've seen that here late in the season, which is helpful to see when they get into a tight game and maybe the other team does have the reins on Tyler Nickel a little bit more. Um, they're more – they're less team built than previous years, but I still think there's some talent there to where I'm hopeful that they can at least make noise at the state. Things are going to get tough, especially once they start traveling to Richmond to play games. Things are going to get tough. But I also think Tyler Nickel can put a team on his back. And after seeing Mac McClellan do that for Gate City, I, I'm not going to rule it out as a possibility. Um, so hopefully <laughs> no, I'd, I'd like to see it. Let's I'd like, pump I'd the like brakes. Let's pump the brakes. That East Rock is not that Gate City team. They will win this region. That's about where I end expectations. I want to see who comes out of Region A before I say, yes, they're definitely going to win a game and get to a state semifinal. I just don't think this team is, as a team is as good. I don't think I they're – I think I'm as a convinced. team, they're okay. I was less convinced. I think lately seeing these other guys scoring some points, I, I'm, I'm hopeful of that. Yeah, but who are they doing it against? They're not doing it against good opponents. Yeah, but who's the second team? Who's like the Region A runner-up that's going to come to? I don't know, but I don't think much of this East Rock team. I think they're beating up on a region that is not very good this year. I don't think their district is that good. No, their district and the region is very similar. So yeah, but that's my point. Like, I don't think they're that good. Tyler Nichol is phenomenal. He's an amazing player, but. When he gets deeper into the tournament, he's going to have other amazing players and other good teams he's going against, and they're going to be better teams. Yeah. Gate City, I, had, I don't know. Gate City had multiple D1 players that year, so it's not like it was Mac McClung and only Mac McClung. That too, didn't they? That's multiple. That is multiple. Yeah, I mean, and that's what, that's what East Rock had when they were in the state, what, was it two years ago when they – kind of had a really good shot. It wasn't last year as much, but two years ago when they really had the shot, they had uh, Tyce McNair and they had the Jefferson kid, and they, they mm-hmm. were more built for a team wins at that point. And Nickel even. I, I'm, I'm not really arguing with what you're saying. I guess I'm just hopeful. I'm hopeful against it. And, I, you know, I at one point said, I don't know. I just, these, these guys, <laughs> these guys can put teams on their backs can surprise me. I, I've been surprised before, so I, I'm leaving it open to a possibility here. I will say there is a no possibility that they win a state championship. I'm giving it some. <laughs> I thought they had a better team two, three years ago when they, whenever it was that they got there and didn't do anything. So um, Nickel will break that record. He might do it against Strasburg, but if very, not Strasburg, it's very, definitely happening against yeah. Page or Madison County, whoever wins that game. But yeah. I will say this, and I, I don't know if Stewart's draft beats Buckingham, but if I'm Stewart's draft, I would much rather be that six than the five. You, you have avoided East Rock's half yeah. of the bracket. And as we've talked about, yeah. two teams come out of that region. So you have done, you are in a better place as a six seed than a five or a four. 
So that's how I thought they were going to be an eight. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but six or seven was where they wanted to be. And they got the six. So you get Buckingham and then probably central. I, I don't think Clark County has a chance in that game, but uh, that'll be interesting. In class one, Riverheads, they're going to be playing William Campbell on Tuesday. If they beat William Campbell, they will get to play Buffalo Gap on Thursday in what would be another Buffalo Gap Riverheads. Winner goes to state, loser goes home. Yeah, it'd be back-to-back nights, and that's what we're rooting for. Riverheads has to win on the road to get that. This isn't this isn't quite as good as the Riverheads team as we've seen in these past years. Riverheads made those state runs. We've been kind of saying that all year. They've been proving that all year, but... I, going down to William Campbell, I don't think is uh, something impossible for them to do. I think they can go down there and get a win. I was looking through some of the William Campbell scores and opponents and stuff, and I, and I think I, Riverheads has their shot there. I, I worry it gets them more if it gets Buffalo Gap, but Riverheads beat Buffalo Gap like two weeks ago. So, no, actually just last week in the, in the finale, Riverheads boys and girls won. So I, I, I would think Buffalo Gap might have been in a little cruise control there closing out the season. But uh, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm hopeful to get that game because that'll, that'll be another fun one to tune into. I could just see – I could see Buffalo Gap waking up. They've kind of been the better team all season. Um, so I would be surprised if they just fall flat here uh, in their region opener there. Yeah. Um, let's move it to college. we got a lot to talk about with college. Let's start with Virginia Tech uh, right now. They beat UVA, like we said last week, which was a big win. But then we said you need to beat UNC or Miami. Well, they didn't beat UNC. So that kind of tells you where they are now. Kind of need to win the rest of your games. It's tournament mode starts now for them. And they need to have a good showing in the ACC tournament. So uh, we'll see what happens. I don't love their chances of getting into the tournament. But again, uh, if they win out, then you get hot at the right time in the ACC tournament, you get an upset, uh, then you're back in the conversation. But that's what they have to yeah. do first. Hope is, hope is all I really got right now. I don't have evidence or, or reason to Yeah, to exactly. Um, I just have hope. I hope they can make the run. I hope they can impress at the right time. Um, I hope these wins, some of them can be kind of separated wins. So it really proves, hey, they're playing at a much better pace than they were earlier in the season. Watching that UNC game, I, I watched it. I sat there and I watched, I only missed the first couple of minutes and then I was watching. And, you know, UNC's just better. <laughs> that's, that's all I really had. It's just as much as UNC tried to leave Virginia Tech in the game, Virginia Tech just couldn't, couldn't overcome a, for a little bit, it was a 10 point deficit, but then it was kind of that six, seven deficit. And they just never could get over that hump. And it was just UNC was better. They, they came up with the big plays when they needed them. So, and UNC won again here on Monday night against Louisville, and, and they're showing that they're the better team. But, you know, when you're about even in the ACC, you don't necessarily make the tournament. I mean, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. So it's not a safe place to be. So I think closing out the season here with four wins could really put them in the right area. But my faith for that is not high, especially with a game there at Miami. Uh, you know, I've seen Virginia Tech go down to Miami when Miami's not that great and lose games even when tech's decent. So I am worried about that game. So we'll see what we get. Um, but hope I still have my hope and, and I'll still like the NIT. If we get there too, I'll, I'll know that bracket if Virginia tech's in it. And if, if for some reason they're not, if they're in the tournament, I won't know the NIT at all. So that's just kind of where we stand, but I'm, I'm riding hope on that one. 
UVA, we talked about at Miami. UVA won at Miami on Saturday, which puts them back in the conversation for the bubble. Uh, they have yeah, Duke at right home. On that line. Yep. Yeah, they have Duke at home and Florida State at home. I'd say they win one of those two. They're in the conversation. They're on the bubble. Uh, but, again, it's going to take winning at least one. If you win both, I think that might actually – that borderline puts them in. So Probably be inside the line, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all this – also depending on how you do in the ACC tournament because if they fall flat in the ACC tournament, they'll be back out. Um, and, and you're right. Eight, 500 – going back to Virginia Tech for a second. 500 in the ACC puts you on the line, and some years it's good enough, some years it's not. This is not a good year for the ACC, so that's definitely not going to put you in. You need to be above 500 in the conference to get in this year. UVA right now is well above 500 in the conference and has a chance, again, with Duke and Florida State, two big tournament teams as it stands right now, uh, and a chance to get two added wins on the resume. Virginia Tech really only has one. It's at Miami, and you better win, and then you're going to need help in the ACC tournament too. So um, we'll see what happens with UVA, though. I'm looking at ACC tournament positioning for Virginia Tech. Uh, Some of it's selfish. Some of it's what it needs to be. Obviously, I want Tech to win as many games as possible. Mm. But it doesn't look like they can get above that seven spot. Even if they go 4-0 here, I don't think they're going to get above that seven spot because UVA is just that many games ahead of them at that six spot. Um, So I just don't see them jumping up past that. But I like that seven spot for Virginia Tech because it puts them in the night games that, uh, you know, I don't have to pretend I'm working. Uh, during those games during the day, those nooners are two thirty games. So that's what I'm kind of rooting for at this point is just win these games, get that seven seed. So you're playing at night and then you're also avoiding, um, you know, playing the, the one seed as long as possible. That's likely to be Duke. So that's kind of what I'm rooting for there. I think it's unlikely for Virginia Tech to fall out of even the nine spot. I, 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 I've been saying, I don't want them playing on uh, Tuesday of the ACC tournament. If they can stay nine or better, they will. So they can actually lose multiple games here, and I still think be in that at least eight nine game. Uh, but then that's going to put you right up against. Uh, you're going to have to play the eight nine game, and then you'll be play, playing the one seed immediately. So not the best spot. So I'm really hoping they can maintain uh, where they're at here, win these couple games, and then get to that seven seed, uh, knocking Syracuse back a, a spot. So that's where we want Virginia Tech. As for UVA and their positioning, I think they're. Unless they absolutely tear up these last two weeks, there's three games they have left, two of them against good opponents, which they're possible. They could do that. I mean, they've won. They've only lost one out of their last seven games or something like that. So that they're too? looking good right now. It was the game tech beat them. But, you know, they've been looking good recently. They're making up for how they looked earlier. And so they could rise up above that six. I still I think they're just going to wind up in that six spot. And that's where UVA will be. So, yeah, uh, but that'll be interesting. Staying with the men's side for a second, let's talk about JMU, and then there's going to be a side conversation. Are they, they going to get their bid? Or are they still on pace for that bid? Well, let's talk about that um, because that will bleed into the, really the only reason I want to talk about this. Um, and it's, you know. Quick answer. No, they're not on pace for a bid. Yeah, they're 6-10 and 10 <laughs> 15, in the CAA. 15-12 is not on pace yeah, for a bid. Yeah, and they're 6-10 and 10 in the CAA. Um, and – at the end of the UNCW game, there was a little bit of ugliness uh, between JMU and UNCW where multiple texts, multiple ejections handed out. And um, I, JMU fan slash hobby sports writer. Oh, he's a writer too? I thought he was a super fan. Well, he is a super fan. I Yeah, I use the term writer loosely or reporter loosely. 
Um, I would say he's more of uh, I'm surprised he's not employed by JMU. The way he tweets, you would think his checks come from JMU. And um, yeah, it's just and, and fans on Twitter are now confusing him uh, for an actual JMU fan. And then JMU fans are like, oh, he's a sports reporter. He's not a fan. You're so dumb. And I'm like, no, you're dumb because you can't tell what they're doing. And they're not wrong. He's not a sports reporter. I'm not calling him a sports reporter anymore. He's not one. He is a fan. He hasn't been objective once the entire year on anything JMU related. He can't he can't ever present the other side as a legitimate side and a legitimate argument. He does this with the CAA conference alignment, which I happen to agree with JMU's side, but I understand the CAA side. It's a business. They lose revenue when teams peace out on their conference and they do it when it's not expected. That's why they're being hardline on this. And you cannot like it. That's fine. You cannot like it. But the CAA hasn't changed their mind. And him speculating that they might change their mind each time another conference thinks about doing it doesn't help. It puts on the purple tinted glasses, and he throws out a reckless tweet, but like, oh, maybe the CAA will do something. And then the CAA, he gets mad when the CAA sends a crappy response like, we're not changing, and we have no further comment. I'd wish the CAA commissioner would stop, would call him by name. I'm not going to because I have no respect for him. And then say, you're an idiot. And then make him put that up on his Twitter. I do think that it's very non-beneficial what he's doing around this program. And it's very pro-JMU without any objectiveness, like you're saying. But I think that's creating negativity around this program. There was a comment from Mark Byington who, who I'm not writing off as some kind of bad coach yet. I, I, I saw a negative comment from him and I was like, why is he just staying on this with the CAA and the officials and how, how bad JMU's getting cheated? Like, why is the coach keeping this negativity there? And I kind of had a rant. I did it to you. Mm -hmm. I was talking to my wife about it. I just was ranting. Like, why is this coach doing this? I don't understand. It might have been around the same time we were talking to Coach Lauren Aport, who had such a great attitude about all that. So credit to her. And I, and I was just like, it was just in juxtaposition of what she was doing. I'm like, why is he doing this? Well, then, okay, well, here's the here's the raw audio from this interview. Because I and I was like, I want to I want to listen to this. The reporters, him in particular, are just these leading questions, just jabbing at this negativity, at this negativity. Now, Mark Byington like anybody, like any coach or politician or public figure, should be able to spin things the way they want, to answer the questions the way they want. And if they want positivity there, they can do it. So I am going to blame Byington to, you know, accepting the narrative of the negative that's that's being presented to him. But I, I just got to stop. When you have all this negativity, this they're cheating us, we're getting cheated, we're not getting a fair shot, negative, 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 negative things happen. And that's what happened on the court this weekend at UNC Wilmington when there's a, there's a fight at the end of the game. And I'm not saying people on the court are fighting because of the referees three games ago. No, that's not why it's happened. But it's just this negative feeling, this me against the world attitude in a very negative way, not in a, not in a inspirational way. It's when you have it, you still are just talking about this nonstop when you're 15 and 12 and you there's no benefit there you could spin it a different way they're not and they're just keep complaining this is what the kind of stuff happens this is karma paying off here and 
it's just sad. And then, the, and then the results of this, and I know you'll get into it more, is just it hasn't stopped. The game ended. Technical fouls were awarded. People shot shots. The game ended. And maybe there's questions there. I don't know. But for 48 hours since, it's just been nonstop, more, 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 and saying things that video evidence doesn't show. Yeah, it's, it's just he he puts and he finds the grainiest he finds the grainiest videos on the internet that you would think were filmed with a flip phone from the 90s, and says, well, "Look at this angle." I'm like, I can't see anything from that angle. You idiot! You Stop sharing it. Contact with other players. The Zapruder film is clearer than that Control cell house. phone video. I that is a higher definition. The Zapruder film is higher definition than whatever he put on Twitter to try to defend his side of the stupid argument. Hey, Shane, here's the idea. If JMU doesn't want players ejected, don't get in UNCW's face. You're a terrible basketball team this year. You're 6-10 in the CAA. You know why that is? It's not because you're not healthy. It's because you're not very freaking good. You don't make free throws. You don't play defense. You don't score points. Hey, Mark Byington, instead of criticizing about the officiating all the time, why don't you focus on your team playing better? I am so I am not here for the head coach of a basketball team to be complaining about the officiating all season long. And yes, some of it is the media is feeding it to him. But again, that's the problem when you create a someone like this person and give him a job in the media where all he does is try to give this coach an out. And he tries to allow the coach to blame other people other than, hey, you know what? You know what Mark Byington's answer should be? You know what? Hey, that's basketball. Sometimes you get calls. Sometimes you don't. We got to be better. We have to. Yeah. We have to let the officials yeah, so not be in a position to win. Yeah. yeah, we have to. We have to be in a better position so that doesn't affect the outcome of the game. Here's the very binary way of looking at this. I saw the players from JMU make contact with other players. They awarded technical fouls. I saw a coach in the Big Ten, and we'll come back to this, make contact with another coach. He suspended four games. I'd maybe shut up and be happy with your technical fouls. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, but he can't because because that doesn't feed into his narrative that the CAA is trying to rig basketball games against JMU. I just want JMU as a whole to shut up and move on celebrating the future that they have ahead of them, that this Sunbelt is going to be good. I felt like we heard that from coach Lauren Laporte. She's going to do the best of what she has this year. They went out this weekend, lost to, Softball game, it doesn't mean their season's over. You don't hear Lauren Port in the press saying, well, we lost one, now we're out. No, they're going to keep on battling. They have their opportunities to play other teams. Now, if they start losing to some of those, then their they're, you know, outlook for the postseason is probably a lot different. But if something tells me Coach Lauren Laporte's not going to just pile the negative on top with these young players that she has. But meanwhile, the basketball team seems very accepting of that, and and I, it disappoints me. I, I, just, I just don't like the, the vibe around this team. I want them to get into the Sun Belt. I want Mark Byington to have that fresh step and 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 go forward because I, I thought it did good things a year ago, and that's what I want to see more of. And I think this cloud around him has swirled around him, and I just want to get clear of it. And I want JMU as a whole, as a whole, to buy into some of the pieces that are doing this and just be celebratory of what's about to happen for this conference, about for this team in such a better conference and, and enjoy what they have because – Kiss the CA goodbye and move on and stop complaining. Just and, stop. And another theory that this uh, hobby writer throws out on Twitter mm-hmm. is 
that, well, you know, this really stems back to the CEA championship from last year. Well, I wonder why that would be, because you were tweeting about the officiating there, and I'm sure the questions were very leading toward that, and maybe got Mark Byington to bite on it. And hey, guess what? Officials don't like being criticized and saying you're they're the reason you lost. So yes, that goes, just like some players become problem players and don't get calls and officials are really ticky-tacky on them, it happens with coaches too. If you sit there and try to say the only reason we didn't win is because of officiating, officials take notice of that. I this this local story that is at best local, like it is not national. Oh, I that's the other thing. Coach, yeah, can we go I back to a, that when the hobby writer said that Jay Billis is never going to drop this if the CAA doesn't change their mind? Hey, I've heard Jay Billis talk about this zero <laughs> times. Jay Billis does not give a flying dump truck about the CAA or JMU. Does not care. You know what Jay Billis would say? You're six and ten. They could let two teams from the CAA get in, and you wouldn't be one of them. Shut up. Easily. Easily. I I also it's just seemed like the this. I know you're going to hear a lot about it locally, and you want your local coverage covering your local team, but it just was made in such a big story here. I saw a coach make an inappropriate gesture on the side of the sidelines, and I've seen it nonstop for a day. Haven't seen anything about this in the national media because it's just not that big a deal you move on i i swear jmu basketball should be happy they only got technicals there and you move on you just move on yeah they did the caa did announce there's no suspensions for jmu players on the altercation so probably because they just didn't want to hear any more talk about it because it just was so overblown from the very beginning i got news for i got news for jmu fans they better be glad i'm that caa commissioner i would do it i would take his media credentials one and i would suspend him just to piss him off but yeah not like they have to deal with him at the tournament (laughs) <laughs> Thank goodness. I, that's the best part about JMU not being in the CAA tournament is that he won't be able to tweet about it, hopefully. Their season's done next week. Oh, what a terrible, terrible hobby writer. How about but these women's teams, though? Your the women's team, yes. VCU has won six straight. They won at George Mason. They beat St. Bonaventure on Wednesday. So that's six straight wins for VCU. They're climbing up. UMass just dropped a game uh, this weekend, too to Davidson, so that helps, and they also lost to Fordham. So right now, VCU is fourth. They do play at UMass on Wednesday. That's still a very, very big game for them. Uh, That will be a big test, and then they have the regular season finale against Richmond at home in a rivalry matchup there. If VCU wins both of those, they should be at worst the fourth seed, and then you start to look at what happens in the A-10 tournament. It does look like they're going to have to win the A-10 to get into the NCAA tournament, but we'll see what happens there. They're on a very good run, and they're playing their ball right now at the right time. Now, the Hokie women with Coach Kenny Brooks, they're on their run. Now, they did lose this weekend to number three, Louisville. They still have number four, NC State, ahead of them. So just had a tough game, have a tough game coming up next week. But they are in a great position to be in a nice seed for the ACC tournament and, and go to the NCAA tournament, possibly host uh, a weekend there. So a lot of great things happening there, but kind of catching the eye of, of national attention there at Virginia Tech. Now, are they a top contender? You know, are they a, a national championship contender? No, but the trajectory of this program, what Coach Kenny Brooks has done with his program, of just getting them better and better. They're doing things that they hadn't done for the previous 15 years before him, uh, winning six-plus ACC games now this year, much better than that with their 12 ACC wins, really taking off this year. You know, the more you know control, the more input Kenny Brooks has on this program, the better they are. So just great trajectory. I've, I watched some uh, sun, Sunday afternoon women's basketball talk at halftime, and people were talking about Virginia Tech 
where they really didn't need to. And I, I thought that was great. Um, so coach Kenny Brooks always got to be proud of someone from our area uh, doing well. And he's, he's, he's done well everywhere he's gone. He's done great at JMU. He's doing great at tech now. And uh, I expect the, he's still going up. He's not going to plateau here um, doing a great job. And however this season ends, I, I expect the same or better next year. Cause that's, that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's done a really good job there at Virginia tech. He's built that program up from not a good place and, yeah, in, in not a long time. So it's, it's always happy when you see a local guy like Kenny uh, do well. But I I do want to talk about, before we get off NCAA basketball, the oh, Juwan yeah. Howard. Yeah, yeah, Juwan Howard in Wisconsin. That was Sunday. Uh, there was a bit of an altercation there at the end of the game where Juwan Howard puts his hands on the Wisconsin coach and starts kind of a big problem there. And he ends up being suspended for the rest of the regular season. So. Okay, the only thing I'll pop in there with, he didn't start the problem there. <laughs> the Wisconsin coach, he first had his hands on Juwan Howard, and Juwan Howard verbally was trying to separate himself from that. It didn't end. That guy was wanting to still be talking to him, and Juwan Howard was saying, like, get away from me. Don't touch me. Get away from me. So I really don't believe Juwan Howard instigated that incident. That said, two wrongs don't make a right. Four other wrongs, and then what Jawan Howard is did doesn't make a right. Jawan Howard deserves to be punished more than anybody else. Uh, it says four games the rest of the regular season. Okay, that's fine. I think there was a time where that wouldn't have happened. I think uh, we had Cheney at Temple tell Calipari at UMass that he was going to kill him in a press conference <laughs> yeah. after a game. Like we've had worse things happen, but where we are with the sport, with what we're doing across the board. Okay, four games, then let him post, coach postseason. Fine, whatever. He needs to learn a lesson from this because we just can't have that. You, As a leader of the team, you can't ever have that. I know people are making comparisons to player fights and this and that. He's a coach. He's the leader of men. you got to have a higher standard. So four games, fine. People are talking about him getting fired. No, absolutely not. You can't fire him for that. Who's going to want to go coach at Maryland or at Maryland, at Michigan, if if he gets fired for that right there? So, well, hey, this is Juwan Howard. There's there's video of him in the NBA throwing some punches. Like you know, we we've known him to be this. They knew who he was when they hired him. Um, that he has fire, and and I like fire. I like rivalry. I like everybody's not buddies as soon as the whistle blows, and there's a little contention there. I I like that. It just can never come to this. So he deserves that punishment. But we all need to get over this. Like this got blown way out of proportion on Sunday. I think when they when they start talking about him getting fired, I was just shut up. Like that's that's way too much. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was a fireable offense, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I don't have a problem I with the suspension it. for the rest. I mean, if it happens again, yeah, for the rest of the regular season, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but I will also say, like Jawan Howard, apparently the reason the Wisconsin coach, uh, and you're right, not correct to put hands on him in a testy situation, but and keep him on him, like yeah. But the reason it <laughs> happened was Jawan Howard said, "I'm going to remember that." Well, look. You didn't, he didn't like the Wisconsin coach calling a timeout in the end of the game when they were up a lot. But the Wisconsin coach called a timeout because Juwan Howard's still pressing with like 30 seconds left and his team's down a ton of points. So part of me is like, okay, Juwan, well, if you don't want him to call the timeout and keep coaching, then you stop coaching and stop pressing and let him run out the clock. Like, that's what he's trying to do. Just let him do it. But okay. um, anyway. It, a lot of not great. A lot yeah, of not just, best just a, Yeah. And they're rivals, and that happens, and there's a lot of testiness there, and you just can't, as you said, you can't have it boil over to the point of physical 
right. physical violence. So, um, and the other coach doesn't deserve the same punishment you want out. That's what I see out of Michigan fans. Well, that coach should have the same. No, he should. No, he didn't. No, he should. It wasn't the same. Yeah, he hands didn't. may have been on each other, but it yeah. wasn't the same. Not the same kind of touching. No, <laughs> um, you're right. Uh, you mentioned softball, JMU. Three and one. Uh, they beat Wisconsin twice and Campbell, their losses to Charlotte. But this week, or this yeah. weekend coming up at UCF, I think it's the bigger one. You have Ole Miss, UCF, Florida. You also have Oakland in there. But Ole Miss, UCF, Florida, those are the ones you have to do well if you get. Yeah. And, and I, like, at no point am I going to try to make it out that JMU was going to go undefeated or had to go undefeated. Right. They just can't have many losses. And the ones they do have – You'd rather it be to a Florida Ole Miss one-run game, that kind of situation. This weekend, you know, was an early season tournament for a very young team, and they were giving up runs, but they battled and got wins, and you like to see that that they're battling and, and battling through giving up runs. But uh, the loss to Charlotte, not what you want, but you, you can overcome that. You know, probably two good wins erases that, um, but you just can't have too many of those trades. You, you got you to gotta get a lot of wins ahead of you. And JMU's used to doing that, so no reason they can't go on and do that. I was uh, excited to see what Virginia Tech did this weekend on their softball side. They have that Keeley Richard uh, pitcher back who was so good last year and in the postseason. I know Virginia Tech's run was on, on her back. She's back as, a I think, a fifth-year senior, maybe a six-year senior, but she's back. They're riding her. They did drop two to Alabama this weekend, but by a combined uh, three runs is what they lost to. It was low-scoring games, a one nothing loss and a 2 nothing loss. So – they battled. Uh, Virginia Tech has more of a leash, though. They, you know, they'll have an ACC tournament. Uh, they're in a conference that they'll be in that tournament. They're in a conference that produces multiple uh, bids. So they have more of a leash. But early season test, they didn't fall on their face by any means. They, they battled with Alabama. Just, they just lost. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they, they'll have other tests. They have South Carolina this week, Ohio State. Those are Power 5 teams, South Carolina being from the SEC, where they're all good at softball. So, um uh, opportunities still arise for them. So those are my two softball teams I'm watching this spring, and I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to softball this spring because I'm, I'm interested what Virginia Tech can do because I, they're trying to ride a high. They're just coming off the tournament, and they have their best pitcher back. JMU, I think, is a, a very interesting story, and, and we might not get the, the ultimate goal that they want, but I, I still want to watch it. Plus, we just had Coach Laporte on. And um, so, like always, I'll be paying attention to what JMU is doing. So a lot of fun there. Yeah. Uh, the Olympics are over, so, um, and with that, there is the whole Russian Olympic Committee debacle there. Uh, their this skater, time for my rant, huh? Yeah, their skater <laughs> fell, uh, ended up not meddling at all, this and then you had just the coaches not be very supportive. Uh, it's just on the heels of what we talked about last week, where she failed this drug test. She never should have been in that position, and it, and the only reason that she was still being able to skate, but had something to do with, I guess, her age and knowing that it was people around her hurting her and she shouldn't have to suffer. But then everybody's going to suffer. Everybody in the, in the competition is going to suffer. And then everybody did suffer because she's a mess. Her fellow people that aren't skating for Russia but kind of are, are a mess and not wanting to take the podium. And just all this crazy stuff going on that is just solved if you have rules and then you – follow through with the rules and we don't see a lot of this stuff. And, and this is the stuff we're seeing where they're on a stage, they're on an ice rink with cameras pointed at them and they're treating her like that. What do you think happens when no one's watching? So just 
It's just terrible. Just get rid of Russia. I'm sorry to those athletes whose lives were likely created to be in the Olympics, but get rid of them. They can't be in it for a winter Olympics and a summer Olympics. Let them back in eight years or whatever that is and, and give them a chance then, but just get them out. This is two straight Olympics where we see this ROC thing. There's all this, I mean, there's still cheating going on. You hadn't fixed anything. Get them out of here. I'm done with it. I, I'm done with it. I know these are humans that I'm rooting against, but it's just so crooked and wrong that you got to do something about it. And, and, and this, this amongst other things makes me not want to watch. I didn't even care about the ice. Cream. I didn't watch it when she was on. Cause a, I already knew what happened because it happened 13 mm-hmm. hours earlier, but B it's not happy. It's not happy to watch this terrible thing happen to this girl. It's not happy to watch these cheaters have their opportunity still. And that's, that's contradicting thoughts there, but it's not happy. I don't want to watch it. It just, it makes you sad that sports can corrupt so much. Yeah, it is. Oh, and, my rant, Joe. Yeah, well, and you're not wrong. And you know, and I you didn't put anybody under a bridge yet. You mentioned <laughs> ratings, and well, that's because you're not hardcore enough. But um, uh, you mentioned ratings, but they're way down. I, I think part of that is because of where the Olympics are, and I don't mean I, that from the I sense of I, I don't mean that in the sense of uh, because people are taking a moral stand against. Beijing hosting. I mean that from the stance of Beijing's time difference from where yes. we are. I, I think that is one. a bigger factor than anything else. I think the next three Olympics, you have Paris, which is six six hours, which is tough. You have uh, no, like, uh, ah, go ahead, go ahead. You do. I mean, I seven p.m. Seven p.m. in Paris is one a.m. here. That's tough for ratings. You have Milan in Italy, which will be the next Winter Olympics, and then. 2028 in LA is is the bigger test. When when you can do that, uh, if they can have better ratings in LA, then that's better. That's what NBC's waiting on. That's why NBC will accept whatever has happened these last three Olympics mm. that have all been about 13 hours off, and these ones coming up, they'll accept all of it because of that golden goose that they have in LA in 2028. That's going to, every event is going to be scheduled on the American audience. And, and, and it already is. It happens in Pao chain. It happens in Beijing. They already get them to do finals of stuff at 10 AM just so it's a somewhat prime time in America. Like they already have that control. Wait till it's actually in this, in similar time zones as most of the American audience. NBC's just sitting on that. They'll make Paris and Milan work. That's six hours is more handleable because like it's 7 p.m. here. It's 1 1 a.m. there. So when you if you can get some of that stuff on the weekends, particularly like 4 p.m. and their nighttime stuff and rolling, they'll have much better. Yes, I'm saying they'll be able to do that. But I'm saying if it's if it's something that's starting at seven, um, if it's something that's starting at, so they're ahead of us. They're ahead yeah, of us. So if, if it's they, something they, starting they at 10 a.m. There, there, it's in the afternoon here. Yeah. On the weekends, that works. On if the weekdays, it, it doesn't. But, but when they have the morning events, like that's going to be hard. Yeah, People are awake. That'll help. Noon and so 6 a.m. is going to be tough. Like That's going to be tough. It's, it's the nature of where we are. I mean, you've had this before. People say that. Oh, I mean, there's always been Olympics in, in Asian countries and over there in Australia. But like we didn't have... Twitter at our fingertips when those happen. And we can just instantly see results because we want that information when we're watching. But when you wake up and you get told everything that happened the last six hours while you're sleeping, 
it's over. It's over. So you have a chance with some of these afternoon things happening. You're at work. Maybe you're a little more distracted. You can roll into the house, and then maybe you're catching that stuff right then, and they can package it aiming for that. The six hours they can deal with a lot better than this 13 hours. This awake versus sleep thing is really is really hurting them. So I, I know NBC is excited to get these back a little closer to home, but they're just – they're waiting on 28 when it's in LA and then that 30 winter Olympics, the front runners, Vancouver, that's the same time zone as LA. So NBC would love that, but Salt Lake city is still in the mix there. And so you put it on USA soil, even, even the better. So, well, uh, Vancouver, even though it's not us soil, it might as well be in terms of NBC. Yeah. It's right there. It's right there. If you're in the same time zone, that's why Brazil worked for um, the Mm -hmm. Olympics and the world cup. I mean, you get the same time zones as America are, or off one or something, you're fine. That's that's what these television companies want. This stretch of three straight Asian country uh, Olympics, and, and Asian has nothing to do with it. It's just 13 hours is the problem. That's that's just been killing them. They they needed to break one of those up. They could have gotten one of those over here or in this direction. It 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 have been better. Yeah, and, and um, Australia in 2032 is probably something they're not looking forward to, but yeah, they're not, they're not <laughs> loving that quite yet, <laughs> but that'll be fine. Um, and uh, yeah, like, like you said, I think the time difference is the biggest difference in the technology that we have now. Like you said, it used to be the time difference wasn't as big of a factor because NBC could embargo all that information and keep it out of our yeah. heads until they wanted us to see it. Now it's yeah. harder. And so that's that, but that's just the nature of the beast. So um, that being said, uh, I know you were worried about the investments hit the overall medals over. That was good. We were one yeah. gold medal shy. We got eight. I needed nine. Man. So, so right there, that's, if that's our, the if our trash curling team hadn't been trash, like I said, they were, uh, then maybe <laughs> I could have hit the, over. even if the best team they finished what fourth. Is they that a medal? Semifinal or whatever. Is that a medal? Did they start handing out fourth they place medals? They didn't get a medal. I am. I'm not arguing with you. Do they get the <laughs> candy wrappers that Pam Beasley made in the <laughs> office? Is that what they get if you finish fourth? Is deep tonight. <laughs> is it eight? <laughs> I do not. Boo! Oh I cannot. No time for people who don't medal. <laughs> but so this weekend, I. Spit very little time on the NBA All-Star Game weekend. Very, very, very little time. Uh, we had the slam dunk three-point con- three competition on. Um, I was watching the skills competition with my girls, showing them those passing things because that looked fun. I want to recreate that for these uh, for my little Little League black teams. I want to be get tires out there so they can throw it through them because they thought that was cool. Um, but really not into it. We usually like the three-point competition the best. Not, not everything we wanted there. Dunk contest was not worth even mentioning that it happened. I think the highlight of the weekend was having that NBA 75 team, having all the living members that they could get there uh, all in one place. And it just produced a lot of cool videos, a lot of cool sound bites. Michael Jordan was the center of a lot of them because that's how I know Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time is because I watched this coverage of this and it all centered around Michael Jordan talking to this guy, Michael Jordan talking to this guy, Michael Jordan talking to this guy. When Michael Jordan walked into that arena, it was just a different vibe the entire time. I had to watch it back. I wasn't watching live. I watched it back. And, but Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. Everybody in that building just told us there. Everybody in there backed that up. So that's all I need to say to that point. But I just thought it, it's so cool 
to see Magic Johnson interacting with people and uh, Julius Irving and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all those guys that are there and interacting with the current guys. Now, I know it quickly gets into the debate of who's on that 75 team and who's not. And I looked at some people that are left off, and I'm like, man, you'd think they'd be in it. And then you look on the list, and it's hard to come up with the same number that you want to put in to bring out. Um, I'd probably be more partial to the guy, the older guys than I am the newer guys, but that's probably not accurate because everybody's getting bigger, faster, stronger. So, um, But it's still – if you're in that 75, what an achievement you've had in your professional career to be named to that and be part of that group. And, and it's just, it's, it's awesome just to see all those people there. It really reminded me, uh, what was that, 99 when uh, at Boston, when they had the, the old guys there um, coming into Boston for the all-star game for baseball mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and all the players really reacting to those older guys being there. I just, I, th- I thought that was awesome. So it just, I think whenever you can have those opportunities to bring in a, a whole lot of the older players. I, I really like that. And so that was definitely the highlight of the weekend. Um, I mean, Steph Curry scoring 50 points is crazy, but when people just let him shoot, that's, that's what's going to happen. So I'm not impressed, but it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch any, and I, I don't watch a lot of any all-star weekend really. Um, I usually do watch the three point contest if I can. Um, but I didn't get around to it this year. They compete. I mean, like they're talking and then they're trying and like, the skills competition, sometimes you get guys that think they're too cool. The dunk contest, you don't know who anybody is. But that three-point, I think, is like the best competition of the weekend. Yeah. Um, just like I missed the NFL skills competition, too, uh, this year. I forgot <laughs> yeah. they even had it still. That's the one I care the least about, by far. But um, in terms of the actual All-Star games, this goes for all the sports. If they got rid of them tomorrow, I would care less. I am far more interested in the skills competition aspect of it than the actual games. Yeah, I mean, they, especially with baseball, you know, when they tried to make it count, that was stupid. Um, but baseball is the best, like, of them of a game actually happening. Like, the NFL is an embarrassment to the name of football. Basketball is not too far off that. At least baseball, yeah, pitchers and hitters going at it. And now the game doesn't mean anything and all that, but it's the closest thing to a real game that we get in any all-star game. Um, so I'll, I'll give baseball credit there, but – it, none of it does matter. I, I mean, they're never going to get rid of it because there's the money. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't think any of them – baseball ends up being probably my most, my most must-watch of them just because it's kind of a tradition thing for me. That's why I even turn on the NBA on Saturday night is because when I was – in the 90s, watching the Saturday night thing was the coolest thing. I mean, the dunk contest, you had the, the best players in it. It was the, it was the best. Um, you had great shooter like – I loved NBA Saturday night, all-star Saturday night when I was a kid. It hasn't been that for 15, 20 years, maybe more. So it's, it's just not the same, but it's just kind of tradition. But baseball, baseball, I watch home run and, and all-star game, and it's tradition more than anything. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like the Super Bowl for some people. Like some people don't really tune into much football until the Super Bowl because they just watch Super Bowl every year. I, it doesn't matter how much baseball I've been watching. I've turned into the all-star game and, but I'm usually watching a lot anyway. So yeah, that's the sport that I want to like the most, but football is what I <laughs> tend to like the, I, I designed my life. Yeah, I mean, I, I like baseball the most. They don't want me to, and they oh, try to get me to not away. like it every, it seems like every year they try to give me like, Hey, this is why you shouldn't like us. Hey, you're going to be with the rest of America and not have cable anymore. Well, you can't watch our team then. Yeah. <laughs> Don't watch us. Don't you try to watch us. And then 
wasting time on NBA stuff. What uh, what soccer were you watching? Well, the Champions League has been phenomenal so far. And really, when you look at it, uh, and you're into the knockout round now, so this is this is what's big. Remember when I talked about that last week? So let's go over the the results from last week. We had PSG at home. Real Madrid was trying to take the air out of the ball, like Leland's going to try to take the air out of this conversation. And because they got rid of the away goals rule, which I know you, I know most of our listeners know, but for the new ones, I'll explain it. So the away goals rule was if, for instance, PSG is playing Real Madrid and PSG wins two to one at home and then wins, uh, Real Madrid wins two to three to two at home. Technically, when you combine the scores, they would be tied. But PSG, who scored two goals when they were in Madrid on the road, would get to advance because they scored more road goals. So it's to incentivize teams to actually. You just said the away away goal rule, and I instantly knew what this role had to be. Well, but for some people, they might not. I, if, if, I'll tell you but, right now, if the majority of our listeners know what, what you're talking about right now, then we're down to like two listeners. Good. So <laughs> then they got rid of that this year because there's been an argument that, oh, we should get rid of it. Well, now that it's gone, people are saying, oh, we should bring it back because, oh, my gosh, Real Madrid wasn't even trying to score. They were just trying to get a nil-nil draw and then go home and see if they could win that one, um, which – Duh. Now, Manchester City did the opposite. They beat the living crap out of Sporting CP 5-0. I said PSG and Real Madrid would win those fixtures. Right now, I'm looking like a genius. Bayern Munich. Uh, yes, I did. Bayern Munich uh, had a 1-1 draw against Salzburg, which is a bit concerning if you're Bayern Munich. But the next one's at Bayern Munich, and they'll probably wipe the floor with Salzburg there. Liverpool. That was the real moneymaker on the first round so far of the Champions League because I had Liverpool to win and win in a shutout, and I had most a lot of score. Guess what happened? Liverpool won in a shut, shutout, and most a lot scored. So with that, I also had Liverpool to score two goals, and they did. So with that, Liverpool has a 2-0 lead going to Anfield. They should take care of business there and advance into the quarterfinal round. I would be shocked if Bayern Munich doesn't win. PSG will probably survive against, uh, excuse me, Real Madrid, and then Manchester City will win. Chelsea plays tomorrow, Tuesday, against Lille from France. I would imagine Chelsea wins Juventus and Villarreal, the other matchup on Tuesday. Atletico Madrid plays Man United. I think Man United will be not long for this tournament. And then Benfica and Ajax play on Wednesday, and I think Ajax will win. I want one answer. Mm-hmm. Who has the best uniforms of the teams left? Uh, you know, that's an interesting I question. I want one answer. Well, you're going to probably not like what's about to happen then. Say um, a team's name, and then let's talk about something else. I like, <laughs> I like Liverpool's the best, but I'm biased. Oh, you're a homer. I am. I am biased. I'll admit it when it comes to that. Uh, I would say outside of Liverpool, I like Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. There's an answer. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you know that I need to know? Encanto or Encanto. I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. I think Encanto probably. Um, great movie. I loved it. 
I, I watched it uh, last week uh, on Disney Plus. Sat down, watched it because it had been getting a lot of praise and a lot of publicity. And uh, I thought the story was awesome. I thought the music was phenomenal. And I'd say of the recent Disney movies, it's probably my favorite. You know who makes that music? Pixar. The music. You know who makes the oh, music? No. Well, you need to watch Hamilton. No. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> person that makes the music. That's I even different. watch all these TikTok videos. It's different music. I actually, you know what? As soon as you said that, I was like, I did know that. Because it's so good. It's so good. The music from Encanto is, is my high point for that movie. I am. I do think it's getting a little overplayed, like knowing that the We Don't Talk About Bruno song is on the Hits 1 channel on Sirius, and it's on like the top 10 countdown it's a good song. for that. Kind of shocks me because it's like a conversational song. It's so out of the character for anything on there. But that's fine. I thought there's there's been other songs from um, – Oh, Linwell Miranda, Miranda. I always, I just want to try to say quick. Miranda. He does a great job in everything he produces uh, in, in the Heights, uh, Hamilton, um, uh, so many other things. He, um, uh, uh, <laughs> Moana, which you didn't like, and he made that music too. See? Um, so like there's, he, he does a great job. I'm surprised that song in particular is the one that's, that's caught on there. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, I, the first time watched it was when I was building my, uh, shiny new toy at Christmas. So I just wasn't focused on it. And I didn't, I knew I didn't like it as much as I should the first time when I said, I watch, it, I like it. I like it. It's not my favorite of recent ones, but it's good. It's very good. And, um, mm. Pixar didn't make this one. This isn't a Pixar one. I thought this was a Disney Pixar. I just think it's a Disney. I think you're wrong. I think I vividly remember the Pixar guy popping up on my screen. The little lamp. Yeah. Pixar has a new one coming out with like this big red panda uh, coming out. Oh. And uh, that's what we're looking forward to. It's coming out real soon. I don't yeah, it's just Disney. It's not, it's not Pixar. So maybe I'm confusing that with the other one I watched that I'll What'd talk you also, about. What other ones you watch? Well, I'll talk about it later because this might be a featuring segment at the end. Watch, watch, uh, you like Zach Galifianakis, don't you? I know what you're going to say. You've talked about it already. That Ron. Ron's gone wrong. Yeah. I didn't know I talked about it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, funny. Yeah. It might be a recurring segment where I watch some Disney movies. Some I haven't seen before. Some I have, and I just rewatch. Lord knows I can't tell you to watch them. Otherwise you'll hate them. So. Right. But yeah, I, I thought Encanto was good. And actually with Moana, my problem wasn't really with the music per se, as much as it was, I just didn't like the story in, in Moana as much. Encanto more realistic. Yep. Um, <laughs> which team we started this argument maybe two weeks ago. And I just want to, like, get it on the record of what, what you think is going to happen. I think the Bengals are built to last. I don't think it guarantees them a Super Bowl in the next short period of time or even Joe Burrow winning one. I just think they're built to win. The way they have that team, they have everybody young, they're already performing at a high level. The Rams, as we know, went and bought a Super Bowl. They're going to be able to retain a lot of those guys next year, but then after that, that thing's going to fall apart there. So I think the Bengals in the next three years, three years from today, starting at zero now and three years from today being the end, I think the Bengals will win more football games in that span of time. And that's the point I was trying to make two weeks ago. Who do you think out of those two teams will win more games between today and three years from today? I don't know if either when we're talking three years from now, either team will be good. 
I will say I think the Rams will win more, and the reason I think that is I think the Rams will spend more money to to stay relevant than the Bengals. I think the Bengals owner is cheap as all get out. He doesn't spend money on anything. They're the only NFL franchise that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. And I don't think he's going to spend the money necessary to protect Joe Burrow. And I think Joe Burrow is one 10-sack game, game away from not playing very many games. And really, you don't need 10 sacks. It's just one pop, which is not that hard to do on him with that offensive line from not playing many games and being hurt again. So I don't think the Bengals will have more wins than the Rams in three years. I don't think so either team is going to be that good in three years. On my phone, and we're going to talk about this in three years. Okay, and I'll be right. <laughs> All right. So that's the podcast for the week. Uh, spring sports started today uh, practicing. So uh, they'll have all their fun stuff going on in this uh, in March. They'll get some of their early uh, scrimmages and non-district and then district play will start up April 5th. So we're looking forward to that. A lot of good baseball in our area, a lot of good softball, plenty of track. Um, so we're going to be catching up with all of that as soon as these winter sports get out of our way here. Uh, but before, yeah, like we're going to have basketball wrapping up here and uh, plenty of fun stuff to watch. I, I think uh, seeing, seeing who's right about what Eastrock can do this. You're not right. We both want them to do well. Uh, you just aren't, you aren't giving them a chance to win a state game. I'm hoping they can. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, locally. I don't know who will get too deep, but it'll be fun to watch. So stick with us on the podcast. we got plenty of local stuff to cover coming up and uh, make sure you're following us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook or emailing us at yaksportspod at gmail.com, and you're following on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify, so they come straight to your phone. So when we drop it on Monday night, like we do this week, you'll get it right when it comes out, and you can listen to it on Tuesday during the day. Uh, we will be back next week talking more basketball and uh, from all different levels, and we'll talk to you then. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.